0: Welcome to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. The Pharmacy Future Leaders is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, focusing on pharmacy student perspectives, interviews, and the future outlook of our pharmacy industry. This is Tim Baker, founder of Script Financial, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Tony Guerra, for the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast, broadcasting from DMAX Ankeny Campus. Connect with me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD or on YouTube at Tony PharmD, where you can find over 700 pharmacy videos supporting my new book, How to Pronounce Drug Names A Visual Approach to Preventing Medication Errors. The audiobook releases in January 2017. Usually we talk with innovative new pharmacy practitioners and soon to be pharmacy graduates, but today we'll talk with an innovative provider to pharmacists. Tim Baker is a certified financial planner and owner of Script Financial, a fee-only financial planning firm dedicated to helping pharmacists meet their financial goals. He's a graduate of the United States Military Academy, and after spending some time in the Army and in the private sector working as a logistician, he decided to pivot to the financial services industry because of his desire to work and help people one-on-one. He first worked for a small independent firm before working specifically with the pharmacy profession. Tim spends much of his time reading and listening to shows about pharmacy, like the Pharmacy Podcast, to better understand the profession, to provide the highest quality service to his clients. Tim's based in Baltimore, but works with clients nationwide. Tim, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thanks for having me, Tony. I appreciate it. Well, I always start with the same question, but then we'll veer off to some other paths. Uh, Everyone's leadership road is different, and certainly as a graduate of the Military Academy, you are one of the top leaders. Uh, Let's start with where you are today and how you became a leader in helping pharmacists with their financial futures.
0: Yeah, so as you mentioned, I am a certified financial planner and I work exclusively with uh, pharmacists and and their financial needs. And um, it really kind of happened by accident. Um, After I got out of the Army, uh, I took a job in the Midwest as a a logistician, like you said, and and bounced bounced from there to a job in Southern California doing the same type of thing with a construction company. And I kind of went through my quarter-life crisis and, you know, Tried to figure out really what I wanted to do um, career-wise, and I knew I wanted to come back to the East Coast. So um, I, you know, narrowed it down to a few professions and, and found that small independent firm in Baltimore. And um, you know, quickly realized that I did want to work with a younger demographic of people, and um, kind of by accident fell into to the pharmacy niche. And it's been it's been one of the best career moves I've ever made.
1: That's fantastic. I'm so excited to be talking to Baltimore. I'm in Iowa. I love Iowa, but I I lived in Baltimore from 93 to 97 for pharmacy school. And then I went back uh, in 2001 to 2008. So I saw two very different real estate markets. Uh, One of the first financial goals many people have is buying a house. And you said, I think you're in the market for a new home. What's your process for evaluating homes and, and how it fits into your financial future?
0: Yeah, it's it's a good question. I mean, I think um, you know buying a house is they say it's going to be the biggest you know purchase that you make in your life, and I really think it's a matter of you know dissecting what that goal is. Whether it's um you know is this your starter home? You just want to get your foot in the market, or you know do you view this as you know an, an investment stream later? So kind of you know talking through that with you know your partner or with your professional network to see really what you're what you're looking to get out of it. Um, but then, you know, it kind of comes down to the dollars and cents and, and what you can really afford. So, um, you, one of the things that I advise clients of is you really want to avoid being house rich and cash poor um, because so many uh, people kind of go into this and that and their eyes get big when they see what a lender might approve them for. And, you know, it's really you know in their best interest to give you a loan that is as high as highest as high as that, they think you can afford because of the interest that they collect on that. But, you know, kind of breaking down the math and, you know, accounting for what you would have to pay back for a loan that is, you know, X amount of principal and X amount of interest rate. And then also consider the, the tax and the, and the insurance there. So what I say is, you know, obviously I'm a big proponent of working with a professional, but build your team, whether that's your financial planner, a real estate agent, a loan a loan officer, and and kind of, you know, break it down in terms of what you can afford and then what's also important to you so you know for us we're buying a house in uh, the locust point neighborhood of baltimore and and it's um the, the school is decent there and and we just enjoy that 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 part of it. So, and then you have also consider the, you know, the external factors. So, you know, interest rates right now, we're in a rise in interest rate environment and, you know, for particular markets, you might have markets that are, that are overheated. So you might have to come out of um, pocket uh, to, to, to just, you know, get, get the, uh, the deal done. So, and that varies from, you know, city to city. So, you know, a big decision, obviously. So, you know, obviously you, you're, you're going to want to get some help and, and bounce those ideas off of somebody else.
1: Yeah, I found that uh it's uh, really important to get referrals. It's so easy to, you know, look online, uh do your research there, get connected with maybe the realtor that's selling the house or something like that, but uh really it's a matter of uh, getting good referrals to good people. Uh I know uh, I still have relationships with some of the people that I worked with. I worked as a realtor back there in Baltimore uh, in oh one uh, to about oh six and uh, really it was getting good referrals getting good uh, people in there uh, that we could uh, refer them to so that we could build this team uh, and we made sure not only do we get them a good deal but we we protected them uh, and uh, not just with the the house, you know, we protect them from uh, anything going wrong a little bit later, but it sounds like that's a little bit about what you do with financial planning with there's a bit of an aggressive side with, okay, what goals do we want to reach, but also how do we protect that we have? So that kind of segues into my next question, which is uh, we talked earlier about life events. And those tend to be a good time to sit down and find a financial professional. Things like graduation or marriage, uh, having a kid, or (laughs) you talked about planning for a home. We didn't realize that we would, getting triplets, that we would fill a four bedroom house uh, all at once. Uh, So that, I don't know how that ended up working out. Uh, And then, can you help me better understand the process someone goes through to evaluate a financial planner? So they could look online and say, okay, here's all these CFPs, they've all got certification, but uh, before I give someone my financial information, I kind of want to know them, I want to trust them. Uh, where does How do you handle that part of the uh, interview aspect that a, that a prospective client might have?
0: I think it's a great question, and I, and I and I encourage prospective clients to make sure that they are doing their due diligence. You know, I, I feel like even when I buy a, a microwave, I'm talking to you know two a microwave, two
1: or three, all right, two or three
0: <laughs> different salesmen to, to make sure I'm getting the best deal. So obviously, as someone as important as you know a financial planner, you're going to want to make sure that you are you know doing your due diligence and, and and shopping around and make sure make sure that you find someone that you fit with. So. Um, actually on my website you have uh, scriptfinancial.com/services I have a section there of questions to ask your financial advisor so a few of those include you know what qualifies you how do you get paid are you a fiduciary which is basically are you going to act in my best interest and um, you know for me when I when I go to hire a professional or when I when I check someone out I I google them you know I think as most people do and before I even get into like what the business does I I go to the about section and I want to learn, you know, kind of about them and what makes them tick, and um, you know if I think that I would connect with them. So that's that's kind of what I definitely encourage prospective clients to do. And there's a lot of good networks out there that I, you know, um, that I provide. I'm 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 a member of a few of them, whether that's um the XY Planet Network, um, FPA, the Fee Only Network, um, NAPFA. Uh, and you can find these on my website as well to to really you know get in there and 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 do your search. and then the other thing that I would say to do is kind of do a an objective search of um, a firm a firm's form adV and what basically what this form does is um, it's a plain English document that c- contains information like services offer, their fee schedule, how they get paid, and then if there's any disciplinary information or conflict of interest out there that you should be aware of, and you can find these. Um, these forms on advisorinfo.sec.gov and and then finally i would say you know y- y- you got to go by feel a little bit you know because because finance is a very personal thing so you know when you when you're talking to somebody you know just trust your gut and if you and if you feel like you know you really connect with this person then You know, maybe maybe it's time to to, um, you know, make the decision and and go with that. So it's a a very important decision. And I think something that, you know, you're going to want to do your research. But there are, um, you know, avenues out there that you can explore to kind of get a better sense of of the advisor, even before you you meet with him, uh, he or she.
1: Okay. well, I think. Uh, one of the reasons people don't go to a professional is the fear of judgment. Uh, you mentioned some things in your background that I felt made you very approachable: your military service, your focus on pharmacy community. We are, although we're you know fifty, hundred thousand, however, maybe three hundred thousand strong across the country, uh, we're still a smallish uh, group compared to maybe nurses who maybe have 3.1 million across the country. Uh, and you seem very empathetic to the student loan debt and challenges these new graduates have. Uh, how do you ease a pharmacist's concerns, help them kind of win the week or win the month rather than saying, okay, well, I'm a failure until I pay off my student loans, until I pay off my house. How do how do you get these incremental steps?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Tony. I, I would say that, you know, like you mentioned, like my my experience in the army and and even and even in the private sector, I, I was not always a model citizen when it came to finances. You know, when I was when I was in high school, I did a good job of saving for my car and paying my insurance and all that kind of stuff. But then when, I think when I got into the military, it was kind of a you know, YOLO, you only live once. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I, got understand, of, I understand. I understand. Uh, you know, I would do the do the party up and really spend freely. So I was a spendthrift, and and then I felt like you know. I was in careers where I, I felt like I didn't necessarily fit, and I, I kind of use spending to to ease that, you know, maybe that anxiety or whatever. Um, but, and, so I, I can empathize. You know, I, I my first job out of the army was um, with uh, Sears Holdings, and, and I was making pretty good money, and I was uh, signing up for my four hundred one k, and I got to, you know where I needed to allocate it, and it said, you know, small cap value fund, large cap growth fund. I didn't really didn't know what those things were, so, you know, uh, I, I went out and bought, I went on Amazon, and I bought in for Dummies, and, <laughs> on my shelf and I think it's funny today, but, yeah. you know, I, I got that book, and I flipped through the first few pages, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pick the highest returns, and, and at 25, or whatever I was, that was okay, but, you know, I feel like you really can't, you know, fly by the seat of your pants when it comes to your finances. But I know I've, I've been there, done that. And, you know, I've been in a situation where I've made a lot of money and I didn't really had a lot of, a lot to show for it. So it's the whole idea of, you know, wealth is not what you make, it's what you keep. Um, and then same thing, you know, when I bought my first home, you kind of, you know, you feel like you're signing your life away. I, I feel like I went in there maybe, not prepared for you know what I was actually doing. So you know they, they say money is the, the the last great taboo, and and really when you work with a financial planner, you're you know you're you're in theory you're undressing financially in front of someone. So that can be stressful and embarrassing. But you know just like you would go to get a physical and undress, you know the doctor has seen it all and and um, you know can can really you know help you and and you know put put their thumb on what the actual issue is. And and I say for young people too is people that come to me have recognized the idea that they need some assistance and that, you know, they recognize the need for some long-term planning, so that's half the battle. Um, And and with young people in particular, they have time, and time is the greatest asset of any financial plan. And and as an analogy, you know, at at my last firm, we would have, you know, people that would would come in at, you know, uh, age 45 or 50, and they say, okay, I wanna start, you know, Saving for retirement and it's it's a lot harder to do that then um, than it is at you know twenty five and thirty. So again, that those are kind of the things that I that I would say to to kind of ease the mind of, of a young a young pharmacist is hey you know we got this let's put the plan in place and and we'll get we'll get you to where you need to go. So um, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I approach
1: it. No, that sounds great. Uh, you talked about something that I I maybe understand vaguely, but you talked about the fiduciary standard of care and you had a good analogy about a suit and fit and how it looked and that there's a professional for everyone. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about what that means? I don't really know what fiduciary standard of care, that, that doesn't translate well for me. I don't I don't really know what that means.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because, um, you know, I have, I've had a lot of prospects come in and, and cite um, last week, tonight by John Oliver, he he did a, uh, an episode on this uh, maybe last season or whatever that talks about the financial um, services industry and and what this whole idea of fiduciary is and it, basically you know in in essence a fiduciary is someone who you know owes their owes another another party. The, du- the duties of good faith and trust, and basically that means that they are bound ethically to act in another's best interest. And for the most part, a lot of financial professionals are not held to that standard. Ha- they, they they follow what's called a suitability standard of care. So you have the fiduciary standard of care and the suitability standard of care. And basically, the way that I explain this is, if Tony, if I'm selling you a suit, and um, you know I'm following the suitability standard of care. Basically, all I need to do is make sure that suit fits. So we do your measurements and, you know, you, you put the suit on and, you know, it could be a suit that is bright, you know, yellow with blue polka dots. It really doesn't look that good in the fiduciary standard of care. Not only do I have to make sure that, that suit fits, I have to make sure it looks damn good. So it's it's really in your best interest that that suit Fits and looks good on you. And to me, that's that's the subtle difference. But you know, there's a lot of financial professionals out there that that don't aren't bound by that you know that ethical standard to act in your best interest. And that's something that you should definitely be aware of. And that's something that should be part of your your repertoire in terms of questioning when you when you hire a financial professional. It's very important.
1: No, I no, I appreciate that. I think I I understand it a little better now. Um, you it seems that you're meeting people where they are financially when uh, we talked earlier that is uh, if someone's uh, maybe has high income, high debt versus uh, middle income uh, maybe less debt or something like that. Um, tell me a little bit about how you meet them in their financial place. You, you talked about how there are these modules and they fit what the person's current situation is. So I'm married with you know, three children uh, versus somebody who I just graduated, I'm free to move about the country, uh, and I've just got my first job.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm a big um, proponent of, you know, really specializing or or, or, or designing my services to what the young pharmacist is actually looking for. So, and, and I've done a lot of research and and talked to a lot of, uh, of pharmacists over cups of coffee and and, and um, you know the residents and students and just try to feel get a feel of what's going on. So, you know, like you said, I have a lot of uh, pers- uh, prospective clients that say, "Hey, Tim, I have you know $150,000 worth of student debt. I'm making you know $125,000." I really need help with my student loan debt, and maybe setting up my retirement allocation and saving for a home, or I want to have a child. So, basically, you know what we do is we meet, um, we we get all of the clients' accounts um, into. Uh, their client portal, I call it the legend portal. and it's basically a snapshot of where they they're at in that moment of time and it gives them you know a, a budget that we go through. It gives them a dynamic net worth statement or also known as a personal balance sheet that shows them everything that they own, everything that they owe, and then kind of what they're, they're worth, I guess if, if you want to say. And then really my job is to, you know, you know, w- with their goals in mind, Develop a plan to fill, you know, fill their pits and fill their buckets. So a pit would be a student loan debt, a credit card debt, and then a bucket would be, you know, hey, I, I, you know, I just had a, a child, I want to set up a 529, or um, I have, I want to, you know, s- establish my emergency fund, or I want to buy a home. And basically, my job is to divert as much of their everyday income or uh, their income from their everyday checking account into these pits and into these buckets that we set up. So. Um, Within a relatively short period of time, you can you can kind of turn around your financial situation um, just by kind of having someone you coach you through it and, and and tell you what to do. So and that's to me that's the big the big piece is you know when I, when I'm looking for prospective clients, I'm looking for someone who you know is coachable and kind of wants to collaborate and do this together. And and I think you know being able to adjust my financial plan to address those needs you know, upfront, so they feel like they're getting value, you know, you know, in the very beginning of the relationship is is key to making sure that my clients are happy and, and, um, you know, stay with me for a long period of time.
1: Okay. You, you reminded me of a home inspection company, and I I have to talk about them because they're up there in Baltimore. Bill and Tasha Bits have Discover at home inspections. And Bill is so methodical and I think he does a lot of what you do. And, and certainly the realtors uh, help the, the clients. But when it comes to home inspection, that's a single day, half a day, where the home inspector can teach you, educate you. And I remember Bill doing a great job of that. And then you get this electronic printout at the end, and then you can ask questions later. Uh, you were using technology as well, and kind of similarly, similarly to a home inspector where you've gotten this – Set up. You you have the information. You see their progress, but maybe they need more information on a piece of it that uh, is unfamiliar. So, for example, uh, I would go with a home inspector, and I am not handy at all. You can ask my wife. I am I am not handy. If the water if the water heater breaks, I'm calling a plumber. I'm not going down there to say maybe I can get this. You know, I got yes. this, honey. You know, because I'll be calling a plumber, and then. You know, whoever the disaster relief guy is. But I would go with this home inspector and he would explain HVAC to me. And then he would explain plumbing to me. And then he would explain um, good materials versus bad materials. He would explain the deck is supported well because we have good – we have um, certain width. Uh, that it's meeting or these things, maybe they cut corners on. So tell me a little bit about how you educate your clients with those things. Like I'm just going to throw terms out, like Roth and uh, those uh, number acronyms for savings and things like that. How do you educate your clients using the technology?
0: Yeah, it's such a good analogy, Tony, and I, and, and I do something very similar. So you know, you have your six components of a financial plan, Um, you know, that could be fundamentals, or insurance, or investments. And what I do, how I approach it, and how I use technologies. you know, outside of the client portal, which is kind of the basis of of all our planning, I, you know, I go through, and a, a big part of what I do is education. So like you said, you know, the difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA, or, you know, what a 401k is, or how, whatever the topic is, and, you know, I, I provide uh, education and what I do is I film my presentation, I record my presentation and um, the presentation is educationally based and then it, it is laced kind of with their, their recommendations. So at the end of it, I might say, so as, a, as an example, the fundamentals is what I start every client with. So we go through and we kind of go through um, a goals recap of what, of what they're looking to get out of working with me. Um, we go through their SWOT analysis so their strengths their weaknesses some opportunities and threats and then I launch into you know the high cost of credit and and why this is important to know or you know an emergency fund and and where good places are to to invest in that and then I at the end of it I give them their recommendations so it is educationally based and then their targeted recommendations to their own financial situation so um, I record that and then I drop that that recording into um, and it's it's you know they they're kind of they're following slides with me so it's it's visual too um, and i drop that mp4 into their 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 vault and then they view it on demand uh, and to me just you know just like i listen you know I'm, I'm a big listener of the pharmacy podcast show i listen to that when i'm in the car or whatever i listen to it at my, at my own you know at my on my own time and then when the client basically completes you know the listen in, I have them fill out a survey that says hey what did you like about it what didn't you like about it and then what are the things that we need to talk to specifically with regard to the education piece or the or the um, the recommendation and to me it really sets the agenda and I think it's a more efficient way to you know utilize not only my time but the, the clients as well so um, you know I've had some really great feedback with that and and then I would say lastly you know, I, I just re- went through our home inspection, and the same same thing happened. The home inspector kind of went through and was teaching me all these things, and you know, I was taking notes like crazy on my Evernote. And um, but you know, I, I missed some things. So this this the way that I do it really kind of provides an archive of content that they, that a client can go back and say, oh yeah, I remember Tim talking about this. Let me review that again. Um, and and it's been you know I think it's been a win-win for for my practice and and my and my uh, my client base.
1: Okay, well, one more question about the financial planning, and then we'll get to some quick hit questions at the end. And I remember this distinctly, and it had to be like, I want to say, 17 or 18 years ago. And I sat down with someone, and this wasn't a CFP, it wasn't a financial planner, it was a a broker. I want to say it was at Fidelity or something like that. And I remember him saying, you're a pharmacist, right? And, well, here's the great biotechnology like money market account or something like that. I'm like that has nothing to do with what I'm doing, and it was so clear that his pay was tied to him selling something that connected with me, and he just missed he missed that uh, that one all, <laughs> altogether. But that's a real concern, I think, when it comes down to paying for these kinds of services. Is that well, I've got let's I, I have confession here. I had twenty thousand in credit card debt when I graduated from pharmacy yep. school, so. Uh, if I had gone to that guy, he still would have tried to sell me biotechnology that maybe even if it makes eight or you know nine percent, great. But I had you know this uh, credit card debt at what was probably eighteen percent or something like that. So how is it that your fee structure is set up to avoid? that situation where uh, you're not going to start pushing product on me, because I think that would be something else someone would be scared of, is I don't want someone to push product. I don't want someone to have my best financial interest in mind.
0: Right, and it, it, it's also so important when you're when you're vetting financial advisors. And I, I am what's called a fee only financial planner, but I, I take it, and the reason I did that was really for conflict of interest. But I, I take it to another level. I think with my my price and structure, I basically charge based on income and, and net worth or, or your personal balance sheet. And um, I wrote a long blog about why I do this, but essentially, you know, I I wanted to. Um, Reduce conflict of interest, but I also wanted to align our, our interests. So obviously, the more money my clients make, and the more that they're worth, the, the more that my you know I potentially get paid. And I think we're we're very much aligned. So it is in my best interest to make sure that every financial decision or every financial recommendation that I make to a client, it's ultimately going to do those two things. Um, to me, it is also best aligned with comprehensive financial planning. So you know uh, a lot of a lot of the financial services industry is so it's so heavily um, slanted towards investments, but you know, a lot of young people, young pharmacists, we don't have investments to to manage. You know, we're just starting out. So, what's kind of led uh, the industry to to do is neglect this this segment of the population. But if you think about all the important financial decisions that you make when you're young, buying a house, starting a family, you know, setting the you know how much you should defer into your retirement or your allocation, and there's a lot that goes on. So my my thing is is you know I could get you a great you know hypothetical re- investment return of twelve percent but then if you have credit card debt you know and I sell you that product that you mentioned if you have credit card debt of you know forty thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars and you're paying twenty nine percent on that I'm not really helping your cause I'm not really you know helping you look at the the big picture so to me that you know that net worth number that um, you know that we track and, and when you log into your client portal it's it smacks you in the face every time and it kind of ha- we have a history tab so when we start at time zero we can kind of see how we've progressed over time but to me that's that's the real measure of, uh, or the real value of working with a financial planner and I like it too because it's tailored to the client and, and it meets their complexity so someone who might you know make or be worth you know three million dollars is going to be different than someone who who makes or is worth you know forty thousand dollars so um, it's proportional to the income, and then it kind of, you know, I kind of grow steadily with you. And I think in other, you know, in other pricing structures, it can be very spiky in, in that sense. So um, to me, the the net worth number and, and, and calculating based based on income has worked for me. And um, I think once I can, you know, explain it to prospective clients of why I do that, the light bulb goes on, and and they say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So um, that's that's kind of how I do it.
1: And it's predictable, which is fantastic. Well, let me right. let me ask you, how uh, could someone contact you, or how do you prefer someone contact you? Um, whether by email, Twitter, LinkedIn, what are what are the ways that you prefer people contact you?
0: Yeah, I would say either you know email. My email is tim at scriptfinancial and then I'm on you know all the social media. So my Twitter handle is. Um, at Tim Baker 856. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. There are, there is another Tim Baker that's a fee only advisor out there. So, um, I'll be the one that's connected to all, you know, all the pharmacists. And then if you search, <laughs>
1: okay. if
0: you search Script Financial on Facebook, I have a, I have a page out there as well. And, um, so yeah, feel free to, to reach out to me and, um, I can help, see
1: if I can help in whatever way. So match the picture on the pharmacy podcast to the Facebook page or the link. Right. Yeah, that,
0: that's the yeah. problem with having kind of a, a generic name is, um, and I, I, I almost need to reach out to the other uh, Tim Baker out there and see if we can work out a situation because I think he might go by Timothy more and I, I go by Tim, I don't know.
1: Okay, well, a couple of quick questions before we uh, finish. Uh, you, were in the, you had you know, the, the full military training at the highest level. What's your best daily ritual to keep your work on track?
0: Yeah, so I, maybe not, not necessarily now, but I'm a, I'm a runner and I like to work out. So I think for me, you know, when I'm, when I'm hitting my stride in my schedule, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing those two things. And other, the other thing that I do is um, every night before I go to bed, I kind of sw- set my to-do list and I use a, uh, a, uh, an app called Swipes that integrates with Evernote that kind of sets me up for the next day's work. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, what about uh, the best career advice you've ever received? So it's funny. I was I was um, thinking of this when you've asked this to other guests, and I, for me, I you know I've worked under you know going to West Point and in the army and my path. I've worked for so many great leaders, but but the best advice was actually some home cooking, and it came from my two siblings, kind of independently when I was you know kind of going through that quarter life crisis and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and they both kind of pointed me in the direction of financial planner because they thought that. You know their advice was be true to yourself. You you you're an educator and you can help people and, and not feel make them feel, you know, weird or uneasy about their about their uh, financial situation. So yeah, be true to yourself. And then what inspires you? I would say my peers. Um, I look out there's a lot of young financial planners out there and I'm thinking specifically through the XY Planning Network that are doing some great things in in this space and it, it really is a, you know, an inspiration to meet for me to, to, um, you know, get out there and provide the best, the best service I can to, to my niche of clients.
1: Well, Tim, I really appreciate you being on the pharmacy podcast. Thanks, Tony. If you want to be on the pharmacy podcast on the pharmacy, future leaders, please get in touch with me, uh, through Twitter at Tony underscore farm Or if you're interested in sponsoring an episode of the pharmacy podcast, contact Todd Yuri at pharmacypodcast.com. We thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Future Leaders podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. Be sure to share the show with the hashtag
0: Pharmacy Future Leaders.